Hi everyone, I'm Anna Close. And I'm Paul Ciperoni, and this is the Engineering History Podcast. If you want to hear about where engineering and history collide, then you're at the right, right show. Today, we will be going over... Three spooky and zany engineering stories in honor of spooky season. Spooky season, the month of October. Love it. Yep. Cool. Um, so kind of like our three zany... And, what, what was the other one? Three... Fun. fun. It was like five episodes ago. It was like three fun and zany engineering stories. Now it's zany and spooky. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. Oh, sorry. But first, <laughs> let's give you some background about us. I am a manufacturing engineer at an aerospace company. I shortened it up a little. Yeah. And I'm a civil engineer focusing in water quality and water resources. Today we are drinking tea because we are filming this on a Thursday and we are both pretty, well, we're just we getting over. Yeah. We have COVID. We're just getting over. Or uh, do we have COVID? Or do we? Was COVID ever real? Oh, uh, who knows? Either Welcome way. to Freedom <laughs> Radio. <laughs> oh my God. Sorry. My mom listens to this. <laughs> We want us to shoot a virology. Google it. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, we're we're gonna be a little bit more loopy than usual, but that's hey, that's that's the experience you signed up for. <laughs> it's free, <laughs> so yeah. I guess. Okay. Anyway, um, three spooky and zany engineering stories. I'm extremely curious to hear what we're adding to the zany repertoire. Yeah, the first one that we're about to get into right now is actually pretty close to home. Okay. It's actually within the city of San Francisco. Ooh. It is the gutters of the Buena Vista Park. I have heard of this. Yeah. From you. <laughs> we I've been to that park a number of times and I can say It's a good park. It, it it's a little creepy. I I have maybe been at night. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Folks, if you happen to be in San Francisco, you happen to find yourself in San Francisco, or you go to Buena Vista Park, mm-hmm. that is a steep climb. It is it's quite a steep. steep. And it a great is, view. Yes. Um. Anyways, let's just get right into it. Okay. Between 1848 and 1855, San Francisco was transformed from a town of hooligans. Ooh. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. There's still some hooligans. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a couple of hooligans in this no. uh, pod studio right now. <laughs> Yeah. It was a small town of around 800 residents into a booming city of over 50,000 people. Nice. Almost the size of Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Almost the size of the po- the whole population of Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Plus Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? We'll throw in Missouri, too. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know where I've always... Sorry, no, I'm about no, to... No, no, no. It has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, we're going to have a whole episode of us just being, like, unfiltered. Let's, yeah, yeah let's stay on topic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can you guess the reason why of this population explosion? Gold rush, baby. No, it is. It is <laughs> okay. the gold okay. rush, yeah. There was gold in the nearby Sierra Nevada foothills in, the eight, in 1848. Also, why San Francisco 49ers, 1849. Yes. So, um, a... Uh, this is engineering related. Mm-hmm. It's kind of business related. I was recently speaking, you know, I'm a young engineer. I, I speak to, you know, people, sometimes engineering business owners, et cetera. Mm-hmm. One of them was talking to me about potentially, you know, maybe taking a job at, at his company. And one of the things he said was that he just used the phrase, we're a picks and shovels company, right? Mm, what he was talking about is I like, know. you're not the guy panning for gold. You're the guy selling so the shovels. Yeah. And then the guy selling the shovels, he's the guy who's going to make all the money. Yeah, exactly. That's actually a really good point because when I was doing research for this, I was thinking like, 
the the people providing food, equipment. Levi Strauss. Yeah, exactly. All those people providing resources for the miners were making money. The miners weren't actually making any money. If we have any budding entrepreneurs listening to the podcast, do a picks and shovels business. Yeah. So, anyways, Buena Vista Park was first attacked. First established in 1867, but it was efficient. What is wrong with me? <laughs> you have COVID. Oh, yeah. Offici- officially designated by the San Francisco Board of Supervisors on May 8th, 1894. So, sh- like a couple decades after it was oh, like, okay. first like built up as a park, it was right. later like designated by the actual city uh, like government we didn't need the authorities okay yeah we're doing uh, what is it like terroristic gardening do you know what that is no but it sounds cool it's like it's like (laughs) anarchistic gardening it's basically like how can gardening be anarchistic it's when you garden without permission (laughs) i can see my mom doing that I really want to plant a rosebush. Just at 3 a.m., just like looking around, just like hoeing or like, you know, like weeding and stuff. You know what was so funny? This is a bit off topic, but again, we're like mentally dead. So my one of my neighbors moved out. This was when I was still in college. One of my neighbors moved out like they sold like the land and the house that they were on. And apparently the house was going to get demolished. But my mom was in contact with the original homeowner, and they're like, and they're like, yeah, we have a whole bunch of bushes and plants and stuff that's just gonna be run over by bulldozers. If you just want to pick it up Hell at any yeah. time, and so my mom and I would just kind of like <laughs> steal some free plants. Yeah, and like, like the way we got onto their property wasn't sketchy, but it felt sketchy because like it obviously wasn't ours. But yeah, we just got like some awesome free plants and stuff like that that's what's up that yeah. uh that explains a lot about you yeah is that anarchist gardening <laughs> that's like that's a little too straight edge you know, know you had permission like anarchistic gardening no you didn't ask any you start planting flowers yeah we did a little i don't know if you remember our old apartment building well this will be really brief mm-hmm. we did a little anarchistic gardening oh yeah where we did that little grass patch back on mm-hmm. the on the back 40 yeah yeah. So that's that's anarchistic gardening. Yeah, but it turned out great because it did. It was... And then other people join in and mm-hmm. like then decades later it's Buena Vista Park. Oh, guess what, buddy? It, we knew it was always Buena Vista Park, buddy. Well, the thing about Buena Vista Park is it's uh, like 37 acres. So sure. it, it like our little like 5 by 5 Well, we start where grass. we can. Yeah. Look. It also has an elevation of 575 feet. That's amazing. That's a big park. Yeah, it borders the Castro District and Height District and Height Ashbury. Okay, is and it Height Ashbury or Height Ashbury? Height Ashbury, whatever. Okay, I I was legitimately asking. I don't know. I I don't know. I've heard Height. I've heard Hate. You know what? True. It's Hate. It's Hate. Well, whatever it's called, both areas are well known for their spree, free spirited atmosphere and having LGBTQ plus friendly neighborhoods. Sounds like San Francisco. Yeah, uh, in 1933, the park faced the potential of erosion like really bad erosion because of the steep elevation so the works progress administration built a retaining wall and gutters for the park this was sorry you said the 30s 1930s 1933 got it 
can you guess what the materials used for this retaining wall and gutters were? I know, but it's only because you've told me and it's spooky. The materials used for the construction were broken headstones recycled from the Laurel Hill uh, Cemetery. Creepy. Yeah. (laughs) The Laurel Hill Cemetery. Uh, is no longer, like, it, yes. it's just been demolished and, like, you know, I think there's, like, um, a Trader Joe's or something. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, How disrespectful. I know. <laughs> so, wait, wait. So Buena Vista is the one who gets the bad rap. Admittedly, that's kind of creepy. Yeah. But it's so much more disrespectful for, for Trader Joe's. It is. But, anyways, like, the whole cemetery itself was about 54 acres, so it was really big plot of land, and it housed many of the city's <laughs> elites. Ooh. Well, uh, then I don't care. Yeah, its former location was near is near Laurel Heights campus off of California Street. However, due to, due to the expanded population in such a short time, the cemetery fell into disrepair. And in November of 1937, San Francisco remo- voted to remove the cemetery to make room for urban expansion. Gotcha. So... Nearly 150,000 remains were moved to Colma, and a few veterans were moved to the Presidio Cemetery. That kind of sucks. Like, you were buried in one place, and now you got to get moved somewhere. I know. It really does suck. Um, And what's even worse is only a small number of the remains were claimed by relatives and given individual plots in Colma. So, oh, so you didn't even get an individual plot. Yeah, the wow. rest were, the rest that were unclaimed were put in mass graves. See, that's creepy. Yeah. I don't, that's, that is way more disrespectful than I was anticipating. Yeah, and what's even worse is like the deceased whose remains were claimed, if they were wealthy enough, they could get their tombstone or grave mm. marker moved to the new coma plot. Otherwise it gets slapped onto mm-hmm. Buena Vista Park. Yeah, that's basically what happened. Um, the repurposed tombstones were not only used at Buena Vista Park, but also became seawalls at the aquatic park and the municipal yacht harbor. Ooh. Um, yeah, so it wasn't, it's like kind of like scattered all around the city, but Buena Vista is really well known for it because if you look at some of the gutters, you can actually make out some of the writing. That's creepy. Um, mm-hmm. Well, if I ever go again, maybe I'll maybe I'll keep an eye out for that. Yep. Just I, you probably didn't prep anything super in depth here, but mm-hmm. you do have me wondering. So you mentioned retaining walls and gutters for erosion control. Mm-hmm. Like what? What is or like what is kind of the basic geotechnical principles here? So that a lowly mechanical like myself, <laughs> like what is the object and like what what are they trying to do there? Okay, so. As, I mean, for those who don't live in San Francisco, it can get pretty rainy. And can uh, it? I mean, it it has its rainy season. Last year was quite rainy. I will yeah. say that. Um, but the gutters were essentially used to sort of drive that stormwater away from um, some of the dirt, so it could be fed into a, a stormwater system. And the retaining wall was to keep the dirt in place. Gotcha. So it wouldn't. So. Basically, you know, you wouldn't have any landslides. So nowadays we would use something like riprap, right, to do a retaining wall. Yeah, something like, I mean, like every state has their has their standards and stuff like that. I okay. think Virginia, it, it is riprap and other things like, other things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but since 
I've worked at my current place. We use like geotextiles and stuff like mm. that. That's so California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Virginia's like just slap that shit on there. We don't yeah. care. <laughs> but it, it's it, it varies from state to state. It also depends on sort of the elevation as well, because you know when you're piling dirt on and it gets higher and higher, it's yeah. going to increase the risk of some kind of not necessarily not necessarily a landslide, but some sort of slippage. Yeah, I could almost imagine, like, in Virginia, also, the sort of geotech considerations are different because Virginia, a lot of it's a swamp, especially where we used to live. Mm -hmm. And then in California, I don't know. What do you call the biome around here? Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) It's. I think one of our friends back in Virginia said it quite well, where it's like a microclimate. Mm, Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's the microclimate. Yeah. Cool. Well, that was mostly just for my kind of engineering interest. I think we hit the spooky factor. Oh, we haven't. We've only talked about. You scratched the surface. Yeah. I want to get into some spooky Buena Vista stories. Ooh, okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I was writing this and I was like really in a dark academia sure. mood. I was like, Ooh, sure. yeah. And now that my brain is fried, I'm like, oh, let's just get to it. <laughs> in the in the cold light of day, things look different sometimes. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to rip the Band-Aid off. Buena Vista Park is known as the dumping ground for dead bodies. Really? Yeah. Maybe so, more so in the 70s and 80s. My, um, my impression of San Francisco before we moved here was that that would be like a daily occurrence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not really. It's, it's not. not. Yeah, yeah. It's that not. has changed, to be clear. <laughs> Um, yeah, it is rumored that the San Francisco Zodiac killer may have been lurking in this park. Uh, the West Coast Mafia was known to drop off some of their dead rivals and informants at this park as well. Really? Yeah. Well, nice to know that the erosion, that the park was there and not getting eroded. <laughs> yeah. So that they could do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> this isn't funny, but <laughs> an- another serial killer that hung out at Buena Vista Park. Um, and may have dumped a few of his victims was the doodler. Who's the doodler? Um, he terrorized the gay community in San Francisco in 1974 to 1975. Mm. Um, it's alleged that he may have killed like 14 men and he was never, uh, he's never been caught, but there's like a lot of suspects. Sure. Um, and now we're going to get into some ghostly apparitions. This is more my wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. As a, as a not believer. Yeah. (laughs) This is all like the ghostly sightings are all bullshit, but. Well, we don't know that. We'll talk about this later. (laughs) I just feel like ghosts aren't real, but like, are they? (laughs) (laughs) Could they? Maybe? (laughs) They're not. Definitely they're not. But like. Anyway, yes. Uh, this story is titled The Three Dark Beings of Buena Vista Park. Dude, that name already, I'm just like, fuck. I like, know. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so a man said that when he visited the park in June of 1984, around 9 p.m., he and his girlfriend saw three dark beings that were at least seven feet tall. Yikes. I Maybe I, it was just me and the homies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're just having some brewskis, man. Yeah. Um, he and his girlfriend became frightened instantly, obviously, Duh. Well, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and started running down the trail to get away from the beings. The beings started gliding towards them quickly, and one of them actually grabbed the man's long hair and threw him down. Also, I know, I, I, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> of course he had long hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like, ugh, 
classic San Francisco. <laughs> uh, they could not make out any faces on the beings. So I'm hearing like a Slender Man situation. Yeah, but I'm imagining they're like hooded, almost like Voldemort. Mm, like culty kind culty, of vibes. But seven feet tall. Look, maybe it was Shaq and uh, <laughs> and his buddies. And his buddies. Um. Well, it, it's it's almost it's not quite done yet. After they threw the boyfriend down, they continued down the trail and vanished from sight. There are a lot of reportings of shadow people or ghosts that hide behind the trees and Creepy. bushes in the park. Yeah, I don't think any of that. Happened. No, I think, I think it real. was. Yeah, I think they probably just like got mugged or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have one last creepy ghostly story. Okay, and this one's actually kind of interesting. Um, this is sorry not to cut you off. Mm. This is the last creepy ghostly story about Buena Vista. Within the overall first spooky and zany engineering story. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, the mysterious green glow. Scary. Yep, that's pretty much all. <laughs> no, I'll get into it. <laughs> in June of 1998, four young women were walking through the park in the afternoon and saw an eerie green glow come through the trees. The green glow seemed to follow them up and down the trail, and only when they finally were out of the park was the green glow gone. St. Elmo's fire, look, yeah. you're asking an engineer, you I, know? I know. Like, I, I, I just feel like they were high or something. They were high. You know? This is like, San Francisco. Uh, that's why, yeah. I. We went to the grocery store with a buddy of ours, and the guy at the meat counter was A, on mushrooms, mm-hmm. and B, talking about how great his last trip was. Yeah. So I'm so, pretty sure these guys just got, like, a contact eye. Yeah. I really, I just... It's so because it's San Francisco. It's like hippie central. Like it's hard to take these stories seriously. On the other hand, how would you know? You know what I mean. How how do you know? (laughs) How do you know? It's like our last one of our last Halloween episodes. If you had a brain chip, you literally would not know because they would just program the brain chip. So that you couldn't see it. Like Order 66. Exactly like Order 66. <laughs> How would you know? You, you wouldn't. wouldn't know, and then you're shooting your friends you're shooting to death. your homies. There's a part in... Some, fuck, now we're really <laughs> now derailed. We There's a part in Clone Wars where one of the clone troopers has, like, his gun is just like, good soldiers follow orders. <laughs> <laughs> so unhinged behavior. I would yeah. just turn around and be like, that's unhinged. I know. It's like you clearly, we need to get some, like, veteran uh, mental health yeah. care for you. Queen, stop. Yeah, don't do it. Anyway, th- that's all interesting. You know, as we are the engineering history podcast and, like, you know, I am I always take this skeptical tack of, like, mm-hmm. well, you know, that can't be right because – and but I can, especially with, like, COVID barbecuing my brain right now, mm-hmm. I can, you know – imagine a scenario where like how would you like if that happened everyone including myself would just believe you are on mushrooms yeah so who knows yeah there's some really interesting stories about uh like waking nightmares or sleep paralysis like my sleep paralysis demon those memes <laughs> yeah i'm almost wondering like if your brain can project something horrifying when you're in sleep paralysis mm-hmm. you know what else can it do that's why i always think about like that's like the all these ghost stories like i feel like it's just so much more rational that that would be the explanation mm-hmm. 
again, coming from, like, a completely, like, I work in manufacturing, so, like, Mm -hmm. predictability of processes is just, like, what I think about most hours of the day. Yeah, not saying that these four women or even the boyfriend and girlfriend were, like, like encountering sleep paralysis demons. Yeah, that is true. It's, like, how do you get thrown to the ground? Yeah, I I think... the brain does some crazy things when it's That's under true. duress. So, And it seems like the boyfriend and girlfriend, they were out late at night in the 80s, you know? Yeah. It's very possible, like, they could have happened upon, like, a group of people that, you know, just Didn't chased them around. Didn't have very good around. intentions. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But the, then again, it said they, gli- they, gli- they glid? glided? Glided t- they glided towards them. I mean... It's dark out. Like, anything can look like it That's glides. True. What defines gliding? Like, their feet weren't touching Yeah, the instead of, like, an up and down walking, it's just, like, so. a forward, like, Aang from Avatar, just like, uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just are really in... We're really into Avatar now. We've been watching it. It's a good show. It's so good. First time for me. Yeah. But again, you know, brain is probably stressed out. You're in an unknown... Situation. In this crazy park. There's like gravestones on the ground, like where the gutter should be. Yeah, there's, there's, you're, there's so much that's unknown about the human brain. Yeah. And apparently, there's this, like old, not old wives' tale, but there's this thing where if you stay in a slightly dim room and you look at a mirror of yourself, like eventually, like it just contorts itself. Like if you stare at yourself long enough, it'll like contort itself and look really creepy. I would believe that when I was younger, one of my greatest fears, which is still kind of one of my greatest fears, Mm -hmm. was that I would like look at the mirror and then the mirror would do something that I didn't do. Do do a little wink. Do a little wink, like, (laughs) uh oh buddy, like you're the reflection. Hello my baby, hello my darling, da 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 da. He just puts on a top hat and starts doing a little jazz. <laughs> Gave me such vibes of like Beetlejuice kind of, you know. Oh my um, god, your mirror reflection is just Michael Keaton. <laughs> yes, or yeah, my sleep paralysis demon. I gotta be honest, if I as long as we're tangent already, mm-hmm. Michael Keaton. I maybe this is heresy. Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice is like my least favorite thing about that movie. <gasps> I'm sorry. Not I love Michael Keaton oh. as an actor. He's an amazing actor, but I think the character just sucks. He's just such oh, a like wow. Oh, terrible wow. He character. He makes the movie. No, he actually doesn't. The movie <gasps> is much more about setting and irony um, and okay. and sort of atmosphere. Put your hands up. We're about to engage in fisticuffs. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, a little hot, hot, spooky season take there. You know, it's COVID brain. I'll let it slide. Wrapping back around to brains, and then I think I'm pretty much done (laughs) with this if if you are. But you mentioning we don't really understand that much about the brain does remind me of one of our previous spooky season episodes. Dr. Jose Delgado, Yale's doctor of mind control. Mm -hmm. Folks, Neuralink in the 60s, which was crazy to me, but one of the criticisms leveled against him, which in retrospect I think was kind of accurate, is like, he he was controlling people's brains with wires in the 60s which is insane but he also it didn't seem like he truly had a predictive model exactly of what would do what mm-hmm. you know he definitely had some crazy results but you know if you told him like make this guy like do something really specific and then all this kind of things i i think he would have struggled a little bit like even neuralink you know like what is it 60 years later they're just now getting into human clinical trials, you know. Exactly. And I think there's only going to be more technology and medicine focused around the brain. And, and there's there's definitely been 
sort of a revolution in technology that's centered around not just the brain, but health as well. Yeah. So it's definitely interesting. Maybe in like 10, 20 years, like all of these stories can be debunked by saying like, yeah, you know, we've 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 found this part of your brain. Yeah. Secretes this whatever that but, can make you dude, hallucinate. Or everybody has Neuralinks in, in like mm-hmm. 20, 30 years. And then like you watch this guy's footage and there really are like these oh huge my gliding God. dudes. Like, oh my, what if we get Neuralink and we can see ghosts? That would be scary. Yeah. What if ghosts were real and the only person who could let us see ghosts is Elon Musk? Oh man, daddy Elon, please. Daddy <laughs> I Elon. Just, <laughs> I just want to see my, my deceased uh, relative or whatever. And he's <laughs> like, like no. Mars is more important. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, before we wrap up the first of three spooky and zany engineering stories, I will say River does not like that park. Oh, yeah? Really? she wanted to get away from that park. Well, hey, that's enough evidence for me. Ghosts are real. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, you want to hear about the second story? I would love to. The second story is one that I really want to go to. It's Manchester's oldest library, Chetham's Library. This sounds way too British. It is. So you want to go to England? Okay. Pot over. We're, we're done. This is it. We're, we're podcast is, we're setting the building on fire. No more podcast. No more podcast. So the building itself was built as a college house or like housing for priests, something along the lines like of that. Like a seminary. Yeah. Um, in 1421. Ooh, that's an old building. Yeah. Um, it was uh, supposed to be Manchester's collegiate church. Okay. So seminary is sort of where you go to learn about Catholicism and become like a religious leader, right? Or Anglicanism. I think I think it's actually kind of a non-denominational term. Oh, okay. Well, either way, but it's like a place that you go to to learn. To be a priest okay. or a clergyman. Okay. So, yeah, that's sort of how it started as in 1421. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was later reestablished as Chetham's Library in 1653 by Humphrey Chetham and has been in use since then. Nice. Yeah. Nice British name there. Yeah. It is the oldest free public library in the English-speaking world. Neat. Yeah. This place, mad Hogwarts vibes. Okay. Yeah. I think I want to say they probably have filmed like a couple of scenes there. That's crazy. If not, then damn. Then they should. Then they should. Maybe they should for the HBO Harry Potter series. Yeah. Also... This is peak dark academia. I saw videos of the interior, and I I, I need it. Nice. <laughs> I need it so badly. The library holds more than 100,000 volumes of printed books, of which 60,000 were published before 1851. Right. Yeah. They include collections of the 16th and 17th century printed works, periodicals, and journals. Nice. Uh, in addition, it holds a collection of over 1,000 manuscripts, art, and multiple medieval texts. That's pretty cool. That almost feels like the natural outgrowth of You Can't Print Happiness, Mm -hmm. another one of our fairly popular episodes about the printing press. There's actually, I'll get into this in a second, but I was thinking of another episode where we had a guest on. Ooh. That I, I just I couldn't get this episode out of out of my head at all. Nice. Uh, the Chatham Library website says about the building, the beautiful old sandstone buildings together with the magnificent library interior create a unique atmosphere for readers and visitors alike. Nice. And keep that sandstone in mind because we're about to go over the construction of it. Sandstone Library construction engineering history podcast 
Are we getting technical? We're getting as technical as we can, considering it's built in the 1421 and there weren't specifications or Dude, contracts. It, <laughs> have you seen those memes where it's like Roman engineer versus modern engineer? It's like modern <laughs> engineer. It's like AutoCAD crashed. It's like <laughs> Roman engineer. It's like I built this without calculus. And like it's still standing thousands of years later. <laughs> I don't know how to read. I just put block on top of block. <laughs> it's just, oh, no, the numbers are slightly off. I forgot to round up. <laughs> Did we? I, I We've probably said this on the pod before, but, like, one of my favorite expressions is, like, anybody can build something that works. It takes an engineer to build something that barely works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really, really like that. Okay, so getting into the construction and design of it. Hell yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> there isn't a lot of documentation about the actual design and construction, seeing as it's, you know, very old. It was built in 1421. I mean, you know, it's, it's, unfor- it's actually... I find this very unfortunate, but there weren't enough nerds back in 1421 to, like, write out blueprints. Or maybe there were, but... But do we have, like, kind of a general idea? We have a very general idea. Kind of how the um, Great Wall of China was built, you know? It, it was very simple. You you just kind of used what you had at the time. Interesting. Yeah. So, but seeing as it's described as a beautiful sandstone building... Mm-hmm. Go over a few common construction practices that the English used around this time, including what they did for the sandstone. That's great. Yeah, we'll start off with with the sandstone because that's that a makes big the aspect. Mo- that's pretty yeah. relevant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Britain, they have a diverse ensemble of natural stones, including sandstone as as one of them, and including Gene Simmons family jewels. We can cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> really? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> Sorry. If anyone gets that reference, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, my brain just stopped working for a second. <laughs> okay. I've, I've, lo- I've locked back into where, right, where I was right. going with that. Sandstone is formed by weathering, erosion, and accumulation of sand-sized fragments from any pre-existing rock type, whether that's igneous, metamorphic, or sedimentary. Nice. Well, yeah. wouldn't a sedimentary rock already kind of it, be? It is kind yeah. of already. It's sand. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I'm just a water guy. I'm just asking. I'm, hey, I'm not a I'm not a rock guy. Yeah. So these sandstone rocks were collected and shaped to form bricks for the library itself. Nice. Um, and based off of the interior and the popular Gothic architectural style, it's safe to say that wood was also used, possibly as some kind of timber frame in some spots, but also to magnify that that sort of arch, sort of Gothic style, like. Kind of like, you know, how Hogwarts... Yes. That kind of... That kind of sloping roof almost. Exactly, yeah. And the reason uh, I brought up that this uh, one podcast episode that we did, actually two parts, Wood, part one and part two with Joel, I was thinking about the timber-framed aspect of those... Yes. Those podcasts, yeah. Couldn't get it out of my head. Good episodes. Yep. Um, and so this probably wasn't used in the construction of Chesham Library, but uh, another common construction practice in the 15th century that I found really interesting and very British was called the Waddle and Dab. The Waddle and Dab. I feel like I've heard of this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, the best way I can describe it is <clears throat> vertical wooden stakes are woven with horizontal twigs or branches, and then they're stuck together with clay or mud. 
that's interesting. It's almost like a fabric almost. It's like yeah, an earth yeah. fabric. It's actually, it's a, one of the oldest methods known for making a weatherproof structure. That's so mm-hmm. cool. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. The yeah. model and dot. Yeah. I feel like I have heard of that, but I had no clue what that was. Yeah. So uh, anyways, for Chatham Library, considering the materials in the 15th century were very limited, you know, we don't have we don't. bulldozers or anything like that. That we uh, know of. <laughs> well, and... Anyways, it it just it makes sense that they would use stone and wood and whatever uh, resources they could to construct the Chatham Library, and it stood the test of time. This reminds me, like, way way back in the Egypt episode, episode five, mm-hmm. we were talking about like making mud bricks versus stone, mm-hmm. and like stone is so much stronger and more powerful, which I didn't appreciate before that podcast. Yeah. And, like, it makes sense, but it also makes sense why, like, if you're and, – and we didn't really get into this, but, like, it it makes sense to me, like, if I was just living in, like, a field mm-hmm. and I could make mud bricks, yeah, that's strong. But, it, like, I would be, like, looking at mountains every day and be like, that's not going anywhere. Exactly. Let me just cut a chunk out of that and yeah. that's my structure now. If my home is made out of that, it's yes. not – nothing's happening to it. Exactly. Um. Yeah, a, a lot of the houses actually were un- made of wood, which is why they're no longer around yeah. because wood rots. And it also, it catches fire very easily. And if you were sort of poor in a poorer area, you know, a, lo- a lot of the housing was very constricted. It was very tightly packed together. So yeah. once you have one fire going, the yes. whole neighborhood is up and smokes. That apparently that was like in Japan in like World War Two. That's like why firebombing was like so effective there. You oh, know? Um, interesting. Because it's like you get one house on fire and then it's all it's... made of like paper practically in, in Japan too. Yeah. And interestingly enough, that's actually why a lot of castles are made of stone. Oh, because you couldn't burn you it. You couldn't burn oh. it down. Yeah. Dude, that makes me feel silly. Today, uh, my COVID sick day, I made mm-hmm. a castle in Minecraft mm-hmm. and I made it out of wood. <gasps> I Who thought does it was that? stone. It was wood. Oh, no. And it's all windows, too. It's glass. Yeah. Man. Well, I'm just going to end up with a bunch of, like, panes of glass when somebody rolls up and burns my castle down. Yeah, like that one guy who tried to trade with you and you were like, I don't want to. Yeah, well, you were suggesting I murder him. So. <laughs> Listen, no, I wasn't. Yeah, Maybe you I totally was. were. <laughs> <laughs> you want to hear some fun historical slash spooky facts? Uh, what is it a fact or is it it's it's a fact okay yes then i do so this library parts of it seeing as it's so old are actually it's actually a museum as well as like a public library and like an art art area that sounds awesome i love libraries i know i know but one really interesting part of this library that's also kind of part of the museum is the meeting place of Karl Marx and Frederick Engels. Whoa, yeah. really? The commies. Mm-hmm. When Marx visited Manchester in the summer of 1845. That's wow. where they met. Yeah. No kidding. There's an alcove in the library where they met that you can visit since it's, it's part of the museum. Uh, and the research they undertook during this series of visits led ultimately to the Communist Manifesto. Wow. Yeah. The the death of America became that day. <laughs> I should have known it was the Brits' fault. <laughs> yeah, it's always them. Dude. Like, it's not. E- oh my God, <laughs> what are we gonna do with you guys? Yeah, really, just stop having cool historical facts that yeah. make me want to visit your country. Yeah, but, but I hey, look, even I can admit I've always wanted to visit Bath, England. 
Bath, England? Yeah, they have like hot springs, I think. Oh, I want to see Stonehenge. I think that would be really that cool. Would be, that would be a great pod, too. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. So, the staircase in the library, you want to hear about that? I would. It was apparently handcrafted by French prisoners of war in the Napoleonic War. Yikes. Prison labor? Bad luck, guys. I know. What are you, what are you going to do? Not, 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 <laughs> yeah, not have them do that. Yeah, but. I guess the United States were not one to talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a beheading on the ground in 1651, two years before it was reestablished as a library. So this is when it was a seminary. They were beheading guys. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, um, the man that was beheaded was Lord James Stanley, who was accused of, of an alleged war crime that led to the death of like 1,500 innocent civilians. You know, I think I could make a yeah. exception in that case. Actually, yeah, I would. Yeah, you're going to hell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> his head's rolling. Around. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Lord wills it. Yeah. So uh, while the beheaded ghost of the Lord has not been seen, there are many sightings of a quote unquote gray lady. Ooh, is that yeah. where they stole that from them from Harry Potter? There's like, there's so many stories and legends of like the lady in white or the gray lady. Mm. I think it's just sort of a catch-all. A term. little folklore. Yeah, exactly. You know, not to try to disprove that too much. Mm-hmm. I can't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how to disprove that. Yeah. So you want to hear about the legend? Oh, yes, I'd love to. Yes. So according to legend, if you enter the building through. Uh, the dark stone cloister, ring the ancient bell on the heavy, heavy oak door, and climb the winding staircase to the library, you'll see the gray lady hovering through the passageways and the secret stale, stairwell leading to the minstrel's gallery. This is why I never believe this shit, because mm-hmm. will it's they so, allow... so specific. It's so specific, and I guarantee they will not let me scientifically validate that. Yeah. Also, why does it have to be, you have to press this and then do that. I and know. Then do it and then maybe. Does the ghost really give a fuck? Like, yeah. <laughs> and then maybe. That's like the end. It's like, well, you know, ghosts are tricky that way. It's like. Yeah, it's like, I'm sorry. I'm what? sorry. Okay. The, the <laughs> fundamental nature of science is that, like, if you can't, like, you have to be able to make a prediction based mm-hmm. on your hypothesis, right? Mm-hmm. So. I should be able to predict, oh, I rang the knocker thingy, Mm -hmm. so therefore the lady pops up. Yeah. And you can't have – there's this one series that my mom and I really liked because a lot of the times these guys were disproving some of these quote-unquote ghost hunters, you know, findings or whatever. But a lot of the time with these ghost hunters, it's – it's they'll hear like a little like – weird thing on the radio and there'll be like, like that's oh that's a ghost and yeah. it's like you can't just take one tiny sample size you're cherry picking data it's called cherry picking data and you can't do that you have to look at everything as a whole if you want to scientifically and logically prove something is real or your hypothesis is accurate dude what if they proved ghosts were real though That'd be dope. That'd be crazy. <laughs> I hope that'd be so cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm a very, I'm hopeful. I think it would be really dope. I just yeah. want to like, you know, sip some tea. Dap with, a ghost up. Yeah, dap, dap me up, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're real. Maybe they're real. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, the gray lady was captured on camera in 1927. That proves it. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll put the picture on the Instagram as well. Sure. But this is uh the the picture that was captured in 1927. It's 
Okay. Kind of weird. Yeah, so folks, uh, I'm looking at a hallway. First of all, she's not wearing gray. She looks yeah, like she's wearing she's, a bed sheet. Yeah. Um, she's <laughs> transparent, which is that's a plus in the ghost, uh, you know, ghost mm-hmm. factor. Um, I would say that this looks like a convincing fake. I mean, if I so here's what I'll say: if I saw mm-hmm. that in real life, I would be like, "Holy crap! There's a ghost in here," and I was wrong. Yeah. That said, I think most likely I'm just and you know I'm a skeptic. Most likely, I believe that image is doctored. Um, I 100% agree. I mean, you can, you can doctor anything, even in 1927, you know, yep. people were still playing around with the technology. You could, you could make something. I would say just to repeat, if I saw that in real life, I would it, be like, it is, it is quite that is totally a ghost. A scary figure. Yeah. Oh God. If it was like nighttime, uh oh, mm-hmm. like that's, that almost looks like daytime. That looks like that was maybe taken during the day. If it is if, hard to tell, isn't okay. it? Yeah. But yeah. if it's daytime, that's even stronger evidence. Cause it's like ghosts are going to come out at night, obviously. Mm-hmm. But if you can get a ghost during the day, I have a little more faith in that. If you can get a ghost in the middle of the day, come up to me, take a ghost shit on my shoes. Sure. And then sort of like, you know, just give me a little, nice. little, little uh, uh, soldier salute and sure. a wink and make me some breakfast. That'd be great. Sounds like you really want this. I just, I, you know what I want? The ghost to pay rent yeah. and do some, do some do fucking some chores. You're yeah. haunting me for free. Yeah, exactly. That ain't, ain't nothing for free, even when you're dead. So moving on. Actually, before we move on from the gray lady to other spooky ghost stories, um, there allegedly it's very hard to take a picture of the gray lady because people's phones behave quote unquote erratically oh, when they try and capture how the ghost. Convenient. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. The last spooky story is when astronomer and alchemist Dr. John D allegedly summoned Satan himself within wow. the school walls. Satan. On an oak table within the school. There's a circular burn mark. A mark which is said was made by the hoof of Satan. <laughs> Interesting. So it's so we're talking hoof Satan. Got yeah. it. Yeah. And Dee summoned him to seek advice and wisdom. <laughs> Did he deliver? What I was? don't know. Come Satan. on. <laughs> He's probably just answered the phone. He's like, bro, I'm yeah. like in the middle of something. Can yeah. You not I have souls to torture. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> But his little, I just like to imagine he's doing like the Captain Morgan's pose yeah, yeah. on this table. But with, with his, his little, hoof feet. Little <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he just like pieces the fuck out. He's like, yeah. where's my advice and wisdom? Yeah. He's like, I summoned Satan and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and all I got was this lousy Captain Morgan's pose. Yeah. And a burn on my desk. <laughs> do you th- what do you think Satan's experience was? Like he was just going about his, what does Satan's normal day look like? That's a better question. <laughs> Oh, uh, wake up, 5,000 crunches. Yeah. Oh, he's got an eight pack. You're like, that's for sure. Uh, do some some muscle lifting bullshit. Drink coffee. Yes. Torture souls, nine to five. Go home. Yep. Get on the treadmill. You got to nice. get that cardio. Get the cardio in. Make some dinner. Maybe, you know, you know, kiss the wife. Kiss you the know, wife. Show some love and affection to the kids. Yeah. If you can. Um, Old Junior. Satan Junior. Satan Junior. You know. You got to clock back into work after everyone's asleep. Just make sure things are Get running. Get some extra he is, hours He's in. the CEO of hey, hell. I can't. <laughs> he is. He is the CEO of hell. There's yeah. no rest, okay? That's fair. He gets on average four hours of sleep. Wow. But the ROI, man. 
That is affecting his mental health. I want Satan to see a therapist. He don't worry. He's he's looking. Maybe he has insomnia. <laughs> he, he probably does. He is Satan. So. Yeah. I I have heard he got chained to a lake of fire one time, which does that sounds traumatizing. Yeah, I like to imagine his vacations are like up to the real world and yeah. are like planet Earth like or Hawaii. whatever. <laughs> Hawaii just like takes possession of like a seventeen yeah. year old girl trying weed for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. like, oh, the devil's let us. I really like this shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, he's like, he's just like surfing, <laughs> trying to get a like nice, nice tan. <laughs> get away from it all for a while, you, you know? know. Just gotta take some yoga classes. Gotta get a break yeah. from the kids and the life. A hundred percent. I I think you know. I want Satan to be thriving. You know, like. <laughs> you to be thriving, Satan. I think it's easier for the souls in hell if Satan's thriving. That's I agree. All I'm saying. Things just move more efficiently when your when your CEO has his has his shit in order. He had a traumatic like he really thought he was going to be top dog in heaven for a while there, and then that didn't work out. This is kind of his like fallback career. I mean, if we're being honest, like yeah, but he's making the most of it. He's making you know? the most of it. You know, I I appreciate that. We should cut this off. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, like cut. Like for here. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say I really, I I love this conversation. C.S. Lewis once said, the devil, the proud spirit, cannot stand to be mocked. So there you go. We mock you, Satan. Yes. We mock thee. And then the lights go out. (laughs) I would actually. I would start to think maybe Satan was real. Hmm. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) On his computer just fell asleep. And we both had this like, oh my God. (laughs) God damn it. Does that count? Does that, is that like a minor spirit? That was my, that's just my, (laughs) dude, for a half a second, I was like, Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Satan. You Don't ap- you can't apologize to you Satan. You would never possess a 17-year-old girl oh who tried God. weed for the first time in Hawaii. That would never happen. <laughs> no, you would do like some jock. Yeah. <laughs> some cool guy. Don't don't bootlick <laughs> Satan. <laughs> Satan doesn't need our respect. <laughs> Give that shit to Jesus. <laughs> Belfazar. That's his job. He's Who's the boot- Belfazar? I don't know, just some just something I made up. Who's Satan's like runner-up? Isn't there like a there's like a there's a whole uh, bunch. Like Beelzebub, I think. Prince of Hell or something. We should we should keep it rolling. Yeah. The last spooky and zany engineering story is Thomas Edison's ghost phone. Thomas Edison's ghost phone. I know. Great phone. Used it many times. Oh wait, I think I heard about this, and this is actually kind of sad. Oh really? Is it like oh, you, you tell you tell me? Okay, yeah, and so it begins in 1920. The famous, and I put inventor in air quotes. I, you know what? I was very anti-Edison, mm-hmm. but then I read the Telegraph are, are book. You, are you pushing back on this one? I'm not pushing back strongly. I'm starting to get an inkling that maybe we've gone too far in the hating Edison direction. Yes, he had that guy murdered, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's not it. So, you know, at least from this Telegraph book, this is just, you know, we'll have to do an Edison podcast at some point. Oh, yeah. But it sounds like maybe he's being too hated and maybe he did have some technical skills. I don't know yet. I love him. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But I'll get into what this this contraption. Sure. So back to 1920, the famous inventor shocked the world when he went public about an invention he had been working on for some time. Sure. 
that invention? Any guesses? It's the, the It's the spirit phone. The, sp- the spirit phone. Yeah, it ghost spirit phone. It's interchangeable. Yeah. Sure. Uh, he played with the idea of the un- undead and alive communicating via telephone for quite some time. Yes. Uh, spiritualism at this point was becoming more popular. Yeah. As well as new inventions and technology. It's the, it's the roaring 20s. Yeah. You know? yeah. I love that, like, it was a time when you could, like, come out as a serious inventor and be like, yep, I'm working on a spirit phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, imagine if, like, Elon Musk, like, came out and he's just like, Tesla is making a spirit phone. <laughs> like, I think that honestly would not surprise me. <laughs> like, just That saying. would surprise me a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, when the world, the culmination of this was crazy. Like, the world went crazy yes. over this new idea that Edison had. Like, like pumped about it or like they thought it was going to work they they were pumped you know wow. okay because spiritualism technology it's the merging it was a time. of the two great things you said yes. this was the 20s the 20s is when he first came out with um he's working on an invention to communicate with the dead right. yeah okay uh and towards the end of his own life edison also became more philosophical he wrote a lot of commentary about spiritualism about spiritualism um, analyzing facets of the paranormal movement, and he really sort of broke it down. Instead of instead of it being more coming from a more religious context, he sort of broke it down into a more logical, quote unquote, scientific. If you can, at that point, I kind of like that. I mean, I kind of like that. Yeah, he stated that he believed that our personality hereafter will be to affect matter. So, like, we after we die. We still kind of leave, like, imprints almost. That's kind of interesting. I mean, I think in some sense that is kind of true, right? Like, you do leave a mark on the world. Yes. He said, echoing the laws of conservation of matter and energy, Edison held that life is indestructible. And he described a constant amount of life units on the planet. (laughs) Yeah, it gets a little... This is where the zany part... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Which would be broken apart upon death and reshuffled as swarms that made up aspects of every plant, animal, thought, and memory in the world. It's kind of... It's a little woo, but, like, for someone in living at that time Mm -hmm. with his mind... Yeah. It's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. And I kind of agree with it to some context. And I th- the reason that I said he sort of broke it down into more of a scientific if, or logical context, if you can, especially given, like, the time period, I, I really noticed that when he said, like, these swarms of our energy can be made up into plants, animals, and thoughts and memories. I think not that our spirit can, but I, our body sort of, you know, can, it, it, like, it disintegrates, it degrades over time. It yeah. can be made into soil, which feeds animals. It sounds like feeds, he was kind of yeah. pulling that physical truth mm-hmm. and sort of, like, applying it to the other side of the coin. Exactly. So he theorized that providing the right kind of instrument, we can receive intelligent messages from um, the other world, if you will, uh, and I don't, I, I don't know. It's this this specific invention is really interesting because it's alleged that he did make it, uh, and he made it work. Well, I don't know. I don't know. You sound skeptical. It's hard to really 
it's hard. Are to you saying really that Thomas point. Edison didn't actually make a spirit phone? I I mean I feel like he said that he made uh, a spirit phone, but so wait he he claimed to have actually made a real working spirit phone. Yeah. Really. And there are claims that it did did work allegedly like other scientists that he worked with like they all were brought in one day and then i'm extremely skeptical like why wouldn't it just be a telephone (laughs) exactly that's what i was thinking but But then again why would edison do that i mean why would he lie yeah i mean well we should save it for the edison pod but i mean it's well did he have a history of lying Yes. Sounds like maybe he did. <laughs> yeah. He had he at least had a history of taking credit for other people's inventions. Yeah. That that is my impression, I should say. I, I, I haven't really looked super deeply into that. Yeah. What adds to my skepticism is that the phone never even saw the light of day. Yeah. There a prototype was never found and you know, there aren't any blueprints for it either. So it's speculated that it may have even been like been a hoax. It sounds like extremely like a hoax. Like, I mean, I yeah. To be one hundred percent clear, I don't think a spirit phone is a thing that could really work. Um, you know, at least with our current technology, and yep. def- definitely not with like twenties technology. Yeah. Um, get, yeah. I was gonna say it's alleged that he may have also been playing a joke on the reporters. As that well. would be yeah. I mean, I that, feel like that would, yeah. was more likely than a little just bit being, of a prankster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I I do understand <clears throat> that in his old time he probably was more philosophical and thinking about death yes. a little bit more. Maybe that was his way of of laughing at death. Of coping. Yeah. Yes. I I could see. Yeah. I could if see you that. said if you told me Tesla was trying to make a spirit phone, that just fits. Like I would be like, yep, <laughs> yeah. that, that that guy was definitely trying to make a spirit phone. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of reports, apparently, allegedly, that he was also trying to outcompete Tesla and the in the newspapers and, and things like that. So a way to get his name instead of Tesla's was to say, I've got this spirit phone I'm yeah. working on. So It's a little counterproductive know. considering, you know, how it looks to a modern day person. Yeah. <laughs> it is uh, a spooky a spooky tale because yeah. it, it's the spirit phone. <laughs> I got to say, I... I really like this one. Like, this is, like, kind of zany that, like, he was working on. It's a little unhinged. It's a little unhinged. <laughs> when I, what I said earlier when I said, like, maybe it was, like, sad, like, I I don't know why. Maybe I heard this. Folks, do not take this as gospel. But when I – I feel like I heard at one point that he was working on something like this mm-hmm. to communicate with, like, his wife who had passed away. Maybe. Ooh. Um. Again, I will save it for the Edison pod, mm-hmm. but that that was my impression. For all intents and purposes, the only sort of reasoning I could find from him wanting to make a spirit phone was just, I mean, maybe he did want to contact someone specifically, but it was just because he was more spiritual, sort of more um, in tune with the idea of death. And he, Yeah, I mean, you get to old age. Yeah, and he just wanted to make a cool thing that never... Uh, worked <laughs> here would like listening to all this my guess is here's what happened mm-hmm. thomas edison getting up there in years mm-hmm. thinking about death a little more mm-hmm. does some honest real scientific inquiry into the question of death and spirits and everything mm-hmm. doesn't come up with that much either this is like a hoax or a prank or whatever he comes up with this thing this little stunt or whatever mm-hmm. 
And then, uh, obviously, we don't have blueprints or anything, so... It's kind of... Yeah. He said... The ghost said. <laughs> I don't know... It is an interesting engineering experiment. If you told me to build a spirit phone right now... Yeah. I feel like what I would do is I would create a handset that's, like, on one end looks like a regular phone, and on the other end, I would consult, like, old texts about, like, seances and stuff and yeah. try to pipe that into, like, a telephone. Like a Ouija board on a the Ouija other board, and then you just... And it translates. <laughs> so it's, like, ChatGPT narrating the results of a, of a Ouija board. Yeah. I mean, supposedly there are... And I take all of this, quote-unquote, tech with a grain of salt, but apparently there are, like ghost uh i don't want to say like communication devices but there's a theory that if you play a certain frequency or something like that you can hear you can capture ghost voices more easily perhaps yep (laughs) that's why i say i take it with a grain of salt yeah which one of these was your favorite I think Spiritphone. I mean, really? Yeah, I, I like that one a lot. It's just a wacky story. Like, I had never heard that. And, yeah. like, I, but you know what? It weirdly kind of fits. Like, I know that, um, that, oh man, uh, I'm going to think of it. Like, one Newton, I think, spent like a quarter of his work in his lifetime on like alchemy. Ooh, like, you know, it just yeah. fits with these guys who are just like spending time on weird projects, you know? Mm-hmm. I like that. I mean, I'm like, it's if I was a, a billionaire, <laughs> yeah, it's a little unhinged, but like, you know, we all need our hobbies. <laughs> we all need our hobbies. I'm in the perfect headspace for it, considering my brain is, is still getting barbecued. I think barbecued. this is good. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I love that one. I like the sandstone one a lot. I, I mm-hmm. loved them all, but I really liked Spirit Phone. I really enjoyed uh, the Chetham's Library. That's a good one. Yeah. 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 Just because, oh, we need to visit like the, the history behind it and also... Just the arc. I'm getting really into different architecture architecture styles. Well, you're living in the right city. I know. Man, just something about beautiful bay windows and old Victorian buildings just ugh, gets, gets me going, man. Sure does. Gets me going. Well, thank you, Anna. Those were really good spooky and zany engineering history stories. I'm glad you liked them. I had a lot of fun researching them. I... Definitely, you know, Buena Vista, even though it wasn't either one of our favorites, still a really great, yeah, great topic. Very interesting. It is fun, especially on the pod, to kind of like almost let go a little bit of the analytical mindset. And mm-hmm. especially in the month of October, just start asking like weird questions about like, yeah, how would a spirit phone look? Like, what does that even mean? Exactly. What is the green orb? Yes. This is what I imagine that like... You, like really techie people do at like Burning Man. <laughs> like they just put that aside for like a weekend and just ask like, you know, like what, what about the green orb? <laughs> you know, like, so Spirit Bone is to Edison, Burning Man is to Elon. <laughs> yes, although something tells me Elon doesn't go to Burning Man. You don't think he? I don't Maybe. know. Maybe no. Wait, actually, I feel like I I heard he has at least has been to Burning Man. Yeah. I don't know. Um. A lot, but a lot of tech people do. I think all the Google people do. Yeah, that's I. I mean, it's the place to be. I guess I don't know if you really enjoy. I've never that. been to Burning Man. I I've been to things of that nature, you know. Like, Have you? Well, you know, like music festivals. There's a yeah. really really great music festival in Delaware. That's I, true. Yeah. 
I mean, I've been to music festivals, but Burning Man is like apparently it's a, something it's a very whole different. Different kind of thing, yeah. It's a whole nother ball game. Well, anyways, music festivals aside, I really enjoyed telling you these three spooky and zany engineering stories, and I'm going to make another cup of tea and go to bed early. That sounds like a capital idea. Hey, folks, thanks for joining us, and hey, happy spooky season. Mm-hmm.